0: When I was actually stationed downtown, there's a bike path that went from my house on the far west side all the way downtown. And I biked all year round, even when it was snowing out, winter out, because I knew that there was a safe path that I could get down there. It gave the opportunity, and I think that's what you're talking about when you're talking about active towns, is providing the opportunity to have the active life.
1: hi everyone welcome to the active towns podcast conversations about creating a culture of activity my name is john Zimmerman. i'm the founder of the active towns initiative and i'm honored to be your host during this podcast journey thank you so much for tuning in it's always wonderful to have you along for the ride today is wednesday march 17th 2021 happy saint patrick's day y'all a day when everyone has just a wee bit of irish in them in this special bonus episode, an activity ambassador profile, I interview Rob Verhelst from Madison, Wisconsin, also known as Fireman Rob. We talk through a wide range of topics, including how the Ironman triathlon helped him to find his passion, his take on safer streets for active living as a working emergency services professional, the role activity played in helping him deal with PTSD in the aftermath of 9-11, and so much more. But first, before we dive into that conversation, please allow me a moment to recognize that this episode is being brought to you by the generous contributions of our donors, sponsors, and monthly patrons on our Patreon page. Thank you also very much for your amazing support. And if you too would like to help support and promote Active Towns, please head over to my website at activetowns.org and click on that blue donate link in the top right corner of the page. For your convenience, there's also a link in the show notes and on the landing page for this episode. One final thing before we dive in, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to and rate the Active Towns podcast on your preferred listening platform. Thanks. Okay, time to take your positions on the starting line and get this journey with Fireman Rob underway. Fireman Rob. Rob, it's so wonderful to connect with you here today. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast.
0: Oh, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here, John. It's just been, you know, our relationship has been a, a long time, actually. But uh, I remember you bringing your folded bike to Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, yeah. that And that was, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in, in a little while. But why don't we do this uh, before we dive into uh, catching up with uh, some of the new exciting things that you're involved with. Why did you take just a minute to share with the audience uh, who you are, what, what you're all about? Definitely, definitely. You know,
0: uh, I've been a fireman for 21 years now for the city of Madison in Wisconsin, and I actually did search and recovery at 9 11. And I found through endurance sports, and this is the interesting thing. This is how you and I met. I found through Endurance Sports in 2011 at Ironman Wisconsin. It was the 10th anniversary of, of uh, September 11th. And I found myself, I found my purpose, my drive by doing the full marathon portion in full firefighter gear, which is about 50 pounds extra. And I'm not your prototypical triathlete, so I'm not the 180 pounds, you know, skinny and everything. I'm about at 220 um, plus adding 50 pounds. So that's 270 uh, rolling down the street. And uh, so I translated that into something that I love to do, and that's speaking. And so I get to go and motivate and inspire and, and really help people live their full potential in their life. And along the way, I dabble in a lot of other things that I, I'm sure we're going to get into. So,
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think you're right. Yeah, we, I think we first met at uh, Ironman Hawaii uh, at, the, at the World Championships there in Kona. Now Kona was my home at the time. I, yes. I've since moved from Kona and, and now reside in in Austin, Texas. But that was quite a journey for you to arrive, talk about uh, being forged in the fires uh, out in the lava fields of of Kona. Talk a little bit about that journey that year.
0: Definitely, and it was it was really cool because I wasn't fast. I didn't qualify. Uh, obviously, uh, my my fastest time was 16 What is it? No, 1547. So, you know, it's not world record pace (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination, but they had a great uh, Kona Inspired was the program that I went through. And it was really cool to be able to go on that lava fields and prove to people beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you have passion and ownership of all of your actions and all of your purpose, you can do a lot of things that you maybe never thought you could. And I always talk to people about the opportunities that lie outside of other people's expectations. And that's one of the biggest things that I found at Kona. There was so many other amazing athletes. Everybody has a story. And everybody's persevering because of that story. And in Kona, the winds that year were awful in 2012. The heat was awful. And my fire suit doesn't really breathe at all. <laughs> so, so. and I know a lot of people who have seen uh, the Queen K, at nighttime, it all looks the same. <laughs> so the mind games that you play to get to the finish line are crazy, but I finished with 15 minutes to spare. And the last mile that I actually did, I don't remember any of a Leahy Drive. I don't. And But the coolest part was, is seeing my family at the finish line, understanding the impact that it was that I was able to perform that day, and be able to give that to people without having to say a word.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it really is an extraordinary experience. And what I love about uh, marathons and Ironman distance triathlons and triathlons in general, heck, even even five kilometer, yeah. you know, fun runs, is that it it gives people the opportunity to experience something that's inspiring. And what I mean by this is, is the following is, and I, I sort of put you into, into a category of people that, that I consider to be activity ambassadors. Uh, like- uh, people that inspire others to get off their couch to be able to do something. And when you see somebody who is participating in a fun run or a marathon or an Ironman or oh, a yeah. 70.3, that's a, a half Ironman distance triathlon and doing the run portion in your, your, <laughs> your gear. <laughs> Not the smartest like way. <laughs> people start to say, gosh, you know, if Rob can do this, right. you know, maybe, maybe I can be inspired to, to, to get out there and do something. And, you know, I I talk about it frequently because one of the ways that that humans kind of get inspired to reach for more is when they can sort of identify with somebody else and they can say, oh, my gosh, I I don't know that I can identify with that crazy guy out there in the firefighter gear. Right. But if he can do it, I think I can do it. And then if the next person that you see behind fireman Rob is, is an old guy like me. Participating, go, oh, I look like John. You know, a little pot belly there. It's like he's out there doing it too. He's not fast, right? But he's smiling. He's enjoying it, and I, I, I think that there's something really, really powerful in the inspiration that that comes from seeing people, you know, ordinary people right. doing something extraordinary, and be like, you know. I want to do that too. Talk a little bit about that, because I'm sure you've inspired many, many people to, to you know, go that extra mile.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, you hit it on the head when we talk about inspiration and the motivation and endurance sports. Is a lot of people go out there for their story, for their purpose or passion that maybe they never get to tell anybody. But like you were saying, it, it's that viewing of that action that that person's doing that they may never know how much they impacted somebody's life. And that's why it's so cool, because when you think about it from a perspective of all of mankind, if all of us followed our passion, and instead of putting it into words or tweeting it or going onto Facebook and telling everybody how, how great that experience was, instead of doing that and just going out and doing it and allowing people to take what they need to take, from what you're doing, and that was really the first that first Ironman that I did in in 2011. I wasn't talking about my experiences at 9/11. I was I was struggling with PTSD that I didn't, didn't want to even confirm that I had. But my whole thought process behind going out there and putting myself out there in that 20 you know the 26.2 portion of that in my fire gear was that day meant a lot to me and changed my life. And through the actions of doing this the pain, the struggle, the challenge, that maybe somebody could take one little aspect and change something in their life to change it for the better, to have them take that step down that road that they've always wanted to go down, but they were scared to. And that's the power of endurance sports.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, one of your 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 themes and one of your catchphrases is courage to be you. Talk more about that.
0: You know, it's it's so powerful nowadays because everybody on social media, and this is one of the big things that I would talk about, is social media, you can find somebody who you look at and you go, gosh, they must be living an amazing life. But behind that facade, that mask, is the everyday person. And having the courage to be you isn't something that just happens overnight because as we transition through life, you have to understand and reflect on what you love to do And what drives you to do something farther? What drives you to be resilient? What drives you to have faith over the fears that are constant in your life? So the courage to be you is really talking about individuals, not going down the path that everybody else has walked down and beaten, is taking that extra route and that cross country trip, (laughs) going through the, the briar patch, going through over the creek, you know, and getting a little scars along the way but truly finding that path that's theirs. That's the courage to be you is finding your path, your potential that isn't based off of somebody else's ideas. It's based off of what you were given in your life.
1: Yeah. Now, you and I have also participated in, in events together uh, more recently. We were in uh, uh, Ironman Boulder uh, triathlon together in, in 2014. And that was a rough day for you, right? Oh yeah, that was that was a rough day. And you know, I think we talk about successes, and you
0: know, I finished Kona, and you know, and and the world record that I'm sure we'll talk about. But it's like there's a lot of things that people don't see, and and I'm on my social media and everything that I talk about, I talk about the failures just as much as the successes, because you know, I I think Johnny Agar said it the best. He was a um, um, he and his dad have done Kona and they've done other races. But he says, sometimes sometimes we win and sometimes we learn. And when you think about it that way, that Boulder, I pulled out at mile 13 of the run. I was having, I have bad asthma from September 11th and I was not really breathing all that well. And I felt like I had failed everybody. I pulled out and I'm like, you know, everybody's going to look at what I'm doing as a joke now because I didn't finish it, I didn't succeed, I just tarnished everything that I did. But it was interesting when I put out there that I had failed. The amount of people that came back and were supportive looked at it from a perspective of, oh, he isn't superhuman, he's normal like us. He has failures. And I think that's the big thing is teaching people resilience in your own passion and purpose and understanding that you will feel like crap because I did. <laughs> <laughs> I felt terrible. But you have the ability to overcome that failure by knowing that it's a learning moment and that being humble to your successes and your failures is one of the biggest keys.
1: Yeah. And as I recall, it was a really hot day and oh. a very dry day. and <laughs> Terrible. Uh, there was probably a fair amount of, of pollution out there uh, on, on that day too. So uh, I- if I recall, it, it seemed like it was really difficult during the bike ride. Oh, it was did, terrible! Did it start to flare up then?
0: Yeah, it was terrible during the bike because it was that hot, dry, yeah, wind that was in my face, and so I, I just wasn't able to do anything. Dave Kellerman's actually had a—he he, was—he saved me a little bit on the run because he had an extra inhaler and he gave me an inhaler, so that saved me for a little while, but. Um, it's one of those things where you have to pick your poison of, uh, do I continue and and destroy myself or do I live another day to inspire another day?
1: Well, since you're such a loser and you've, uh, you you failed, uh, you know, at least three or four times during your world championship run. So let's talk about your, uh, your world uh, record holder uh, status.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, You know, it was, it was uh, 2015 and I wanted to really make a big impact. And and my, I'm not the smartest kid on the block. I I choose dumb things, but you know what? Sometimes it turns out for the best. Uh, so I chose to go for the world record for the most number of um, half Ironmans in one year. And at that time, it was uh, 22, and it was held by somebody who had done it in, you know, the the cool spandex that we all wear. That's doesn't leave anything to the imagination. And uh, I chose. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna break it, and I'm gonna do it in full fire gear for the run portions. Um, Because uh, they didn't view that doing it in gear was going to be a different record. (laughs) So I said, okay, that's that's fine. This is somebody else's expectations, but I'm going to equal that and go above it. So throughout that year, it was interesting because it started off weird. After like the second race, the third race that I went to, um, they changed the bike course. I was, I had everything in transition, ready to go swim. And they changed the bike course and shortened it. So it wouldn't have counted. They're like, well, can't you go around the parking lot? I'm like, I have a little integrity. <laughs> I have to make sure that it's the course that you have, and so I wasn't able to do that one. And then there was a uh, one in Michigan where on the run portion it started to lightning, and I said, I, I, I need to go. I need to do this. I'd finished the swim in the bike. I'm like, I need to go on the run. And they're like, Yeah, you're like a, a you're gonna get hit by lightning. Trust me, Rob. I was like, Okay. Um, and then there was two of them that I that I wasn't really able to finish. And it was, it was depressing because it was like, I, you know, I shot for 26, 27. And when it came down to it, I had to add more races. But as I always say, nothing in life happens by accident. The coolest part was, is my 22nd race, what that I, and I had to add this race. I was contacted by um, a gentleman whose son was part of the hotshot crew that died in uh, Granite Mountain. And... He wanted me to carry the flag for the run portion. And when I reflect on all this stuff and you understand, like getting the Guinness World Record is great, but it's a piece of paper that sits on the wall and I have to dust it occasionally. The experiences and the impact that you create from your grand missions, your grand gestures, has lasting impact. Crossing that finish line to get the world, you know, tie the world record was great, but being able to carry that flag you know, and have, you know, one of, you know, some people with me the whole way. My wife was walking with me and helped carry the heavy flag. And it was cool to be able to have that moment and be able to give that medal to this dad who had lost his son and say, you know, it's not forgotten. We can still continue to move forward. So, yeah, when you you talk about that world record year, there's a lot of individual stories. The world record is great, um, but... The number of impacted lives in the stories are
1: just endless. And uh, you were mentioning earlier, I think, uh, before we started recording, that uh, the Austin race was actually world record setting. Yep,
0: that, that was the 23rd, that, was the 23rd uh, that, that broke the world record. It was crazy crossing the finish line. I had one of my great friends from the Air Force that was there, um, Brian Moore, but my family wasn't able to come because initially we had set it up, oh, it was going to be at Wisconsin, and it was going to be, that was a world record breaking one. And it didn't turn out to be that. So things change.
1: <laughs> well, I felt really honored to be able to see you there, and, and that was super I, fun. I, it helped a lot to have you there. <laughs> the familiar faces. <laughs> so you have a podcast as well. So you have the the forged in the fires uh, podcast. And uh, was that something you sort of pivoted with uh, and 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 brought to the airwaves? Because that's. That's the story with me with Active Towns is I couldn't be on the road profiling cities for Active Towns and and filming cuz that was my my primary medium uh prior to 2020 but with the 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 pandemic hitting I had to pivot and so we launched the Active Towns podcast is is that a similar story
0: So yeah in in essence it is is similar and at the same point I felt that there was just like when I raced, I was at the back of the pack and so many of those people never get to have their story told. And there's so many people that are very successful in life that people, all they do is they look and say, oh, those people are successful. I can never get to that. And they don't know the backstory. They don't understand what it took to get there. Nothing is easy in life. It's all worked for. And so the podcast that I put together, I wanted to bring together the People from all backgrounds, from all different uh, success and value levels, and have that people see the person behind the success. And it was so important for me to be able to do that because, just like when people looked at me, they're like, "Oh my God, he has to be so successful and all this stuff." It's like I, I still, I'm, I'm still a firefighter. I'm still an active firefighter, and I do all this other stuff, and I have a family. And so it's seeing that. To really get to where you want to be with what you're passionate about, it takes work. And it's not always that first time that you succeed like you were talking about before.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you also have a book, uh, Seven Catalysts to uh, Ignite Your Life. Uh, talk a little bit about what drove you to, to, to put it into that format and, 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 and a little bit of that challenge. Because it's, it's not easy to write a book.
0: Yeah, you know, and and I'm not a huge reader, so I had to write a book that I would read. Um, (laughs) That was the challenging part. When I put it together, you know, it wanted to put something where my speech, what I talk about in my speech, The Seven Catalysts, and what I talk about in the podcast, and then having it like an online academy that people can go through, I wanted to put it into book form so that people can write in this book, can make it their own. So in each of the sections, it breaks down the seven catalysts, which is passion and purpose, ownership, decisions, emotional control, resilience, faith over fear, and mental strength. And what I do is I tell stories from my journeys, why these were important to me, and then I give them a little short. And then at the same point, there's an action step for them to take and to make it their own book. I want them to write. I want them to highlight. I highlight every single book I have. I write in them because I want it to be tangible to myself. I don't want to just read somebody else's story. I want to make it so that I can actually put this into my life. And that's really the, the passion behind this book was to give somebody the option of saying, yes, this will help me, or read it and go, eh, he's maybe full of crap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what's interesting is that uh, I, I see some parallels to Stoicism and, and, and some of the wisdom of the Stoics. Is, is that, you know, or do you identify with that? Or you say you're not a, a big reader, but I mean, do, has anybody else mentioned to you that there's some parallels to Stoicism?
0: I, 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 I feel honored.
1: Let's <laughs> put it that way. No, I actually didn't. I didn't realize that. I mean, because
0: realistically, these things came from reflection, from really self-reflection. And when you think about the words themselves, they've been around forever. They mean many things to many people. And what I did is I just took the things that I thought were most important and in the order in which I thought they were most important and put my stories to them so that people don't just go, well, yeah, that's great emotional control, but why? And putting it to to the fact that one of my favorite stories, I got to tell this story. This is always a a great one. But when I, I was doing the Guinness World Record year, and that year my wife wanted to do a marathon, and we were going to do it for a great charity called My Team Triumph, who helps disabled individuals to be able to finish races. So we, we pushed them the whole the whole way, and this was Jacob's turn to, do, um, to be able to finish a marathon. So I was pu- pushing in full firefighter gear, Jacob, and we got halfway and halfway into the race. It was hot. I don't know what it was about for 2015, but it was hot all year, every race. It was terrible. (laughs) And as we're pushing Jacob, there was some police officers that were doing in their gear. It wasn't as impressive because it's lighter. Um, But uh, one of them was trailing behind. And and so I was like, you know, hey, why don't you join me? So here we are, a police officer in his full garb, firefighter in his full garb. And we're pushing this individual. Okay. Going down the street, this lady comes up and running down the street yelling at us, where have you been? Where have you been? And I'm like, what? Uh, you know, and this is emotional control. I could have yelled at her and said, lady, it's 90 degrees out here. I'm pushing somebody in full fire gear. Where do you think I've been? But I didn't because you have to have that emotional control in the moment. And so we kept going and this lady just runs up to us. She goes, where have you been? And she <laughs> and, and she goes, I called you an hour ago. And I froze going, oh, my God. She She literally thinks this is how we're responding to emergency calls. She goes, there's a squirrel that fell out of the tree and broke its leg. I have him in a shoebox over there. I'm sitting here going, are you kidding me? You know, like emotional control. This is this is the moment where, you know, it makes or breaks you. And so I thought, I was like, gosh, you know, I have two options. Option one, we take the squirrel out of the box, throw him on Jacob's lap and run away going, Whoo! but you know what? At that point, you've seen me, I can't run that fast. Um, so we wouldn't have been able to outrun her. But what we did is I, I just said, hey, that police car behind you can help you. Uh, we've got to keep going. <laughs> just crazy. But I talk about that in emotional control because if we would have stopped and we would have taken that time and, and engaged and, and when like, oh, my God, you're crazy, Jacob would have never been able to finish his first marathon. So all these catalysts, it's it's great because you can see them in real life and how they actually can attain that success or that value that you're looking for.
1: When we return after this brief break in the action, Rob and I talk about creating a safer environment conducive to leading an active lifestyle, his perspective as a working first responder in an urban setting, and the importance of community engagement. But before we roll into those topics, please allow me a moment for a quick request. If you're enjoying the Active Towns podcast, please consider sharing it within your network. Word of mouth is the absolute best way to grow the audience and provide additional momentum to the culture of activity movement. Okay, that's all for this short intermission. Let's get our conversation with Fireman Rob back on course. Now uh, you had mentioned that uh, that I've I've come to visit you there in the Madison area, and I think that must have been uh, my 2013 uh, Upper Midwest uh, Active Towns tour, where I I started in Boulder and and did a massive massive loop uh, all around the 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 Midwest, and and uh, what we were really doing is trying to make that connection between the built environment, the how our cities and streets are designed to encourage people to live a healthy, active lifestyle. Uh, and, and so Madison was on the list of, you gotta check out Madison. It's, I had been there before, but it had been many, many years. I think it was, uh, 2005 when I did the Ironman there. And it's, it's, known as a city that's uh, much more bike friendly than your average city in North America uh talk a little bit about that from the context of uh, personally as an, an athlete and somebody who's trying to to live a healthy active lifestyle but also as a parent trying to encourage kids to be able to uh to be able to walk and ride their bikes and get to their friends places and maybe even get to school uh but then also as a firefighter or a rescue person and responding to, you know, situations because one of the, one of the most frequent things that uh, most uh, emergency personnel respond to are motor vehicle crashes and things of that nature. Yep. So let's, that was an awful lot to throw at you. I'm sorry no, I like okay. about a complex, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, question there, or if there was a question in there, but l- let's riff on that just a little bit, because that's really what we've been talking about with the Active Towns Initiative is how do we transform our built environment to be able to encourage more people to live a healthy, active lifestyle safely?
0: Right. And I think you hit it on the head is is creating um, a safe environment, because that's one of the biggest things for cycling is cycling on the roads. There's not much. And, and especially you look at the winter time. you know, people still want to be able to commute to work when i was actually stationed downtown there's a bike path that went from my house on the far west side all the way downtown and i biked all year round even when it was snowing out winter out because i knew that there was a safe path that i could get down there it gave the opportunity and i think that's what you're talking about when you're talking about active towns is providing the opportunity to have the active life and where i live now out in wanakee we have bike paths out here we have safe reliable places that we can go to to be able to cycle, to be able to run, to be able to live that active lifestyle that we've been looking for. And Madison's great because they are continuously looking at that of how can we improve what we have existing? Because you, you don't want to redo it the whole thing because, one, that's expensive. And two, you can easily work with what you have. And that's Madison has really done a great job with that and promoting it to your kids, my kids, you know, I remember when I was young, I biked all over the place in Madison when I was young because I had bike paths and my parents didn't worry about it because they knew kind of where I was gonna be. Same thing nowadays, even more because we have more distracted drivers because we have cell phones that we think that we need to look at while we're driving. It's so critical to have these areas and these paths that cyclists know about, one. and also can actually have a good workout without having a stoplight, 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 because that's not really providing that safety, it's just providing an accessory alternative.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the the recurring themes that we we come across uh, when we're trying to look at transforming our built environment into a, a safer environment, and you're absolutely right, we can't afford to completely redo everything uh, from the ground up, but we can do some tweaks right And one of the major things that that we have seen, especially over the last 10 years, is that connection from between motor vehicle speed and uh, and traffic crashes and fatalities and uh, and specifically in the last couple of years, last few years we're seeing more and more, Crashes that are you know t- between motor vehicles and pedestrians, right? And it, you know really trying to do what we can. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term Vision Zero, uh, but the Vision Zero initiatives that are uh, popping up around the country and around the world to try to strive for zero fatalities and zero serious crashes within cities and municipalities, trying to you know bring those. Adapting the design of the streets so that it encourages slower, more careful, more attentive. You mentioned distractive driving, more attentive driving and creating spaces where people can coexist. Right. And because some streets, we may have enough real estate to create a place for pedestrians, a place for cyclists and a place for motor vehicle drivers and other locations in other streets. We can't. Talk a little bit about that from from your perspective, because you have a unique perspective, I think.
0: Right. I think you know what? And I think it's interesting because I look at this from two different perspectives is is we have we have our responsibilities, our, our responsibilities to ourselves and our ownership of our actions. And realistically, as a cyclist and I, I go out and cycle too on the roads and some of them are country roads. And realistically, when you look at it from a perspective of if I'm going out as a cyclist, I want to make sure that I'm ensuring that people can see me, that I have the safety equipment uh, that I need. And also at the same time, you know, road ID or go ID, those are critical aspects when you look at it from a, a fire and EMS perspective. Because some of these accidents, and I know a few people who have been in these accidents, they don't have their wallet on them. They don't have their information on them. They're they're going out for a bike. They have their tri suit on, but they have no information. That is critical in, in the time of need. If you have a major accident, you need to have that information readily available for the EMS. One to be able to call your loved ones, and two to be able to treat you right. If you have a if you have a medication or an illness. So realistically, I like like first talking about the preparation of a cyclist. And then from the perspective of a driver is being cognizant that it is a privilege, not a right. It is a privilege to be able to drive. If you go over to Europe, they're always wondering about our cup holders, What do you use cup holders for? (laughs) Driving is driving. They enjoy the aspect of driving. Here in the U.S., we have a different idea of, of cars and use them as home offices. And we feel that, you know, it doesn't matter if you have all these other distractions that you can still be attentive to what's going on. It's just being cognizant that you are not the only person in this world. Yeah. And it goes both ways. You know, the cyclists need you need to be responsible for yourself, and the motorists they need to be responsible. So I think it's I think it's a twofold idea of everybody understanding that we are all living in this world together, <laughs> and that and that there's enough room. Yeah.
1: Well, and one of the interesting aspects of that is that. Uh, uh, is that is there is that otherworldly aspect of when we get inside a motor vehicle we're in this you know enclosed environment it's like a hermetically sealed environment yes you know it's not easy to make eye contact with other people because you know it, it, it's it's different you know when we when we run across a friend you know like if you're uh, in downtown Madison, and you happen to be out on your bike, and you're able to you know, notice other people and notice friends. It, there's a social aspect to it yep. that just isn't there. You don't have that human contact the way that you do when you're out experiencing your community. Uh, you know, by walking, biking, running, etc. It's it, you know, it's it's more authentic in the sense that you're able to create that human connection. I'm glad you mentioned you know country roads versus urban roads because they really are a much much different context oh yes you know i can remember you know riding on some of the country roads in that area of wisconsin and uh, it was again another one of those very very hot days during the race and but it, it was absolutely beautiful but we are talking about you know relatively narrow roads relatively uh low traffic volumes but at the same time um yes motor vehicle speeds do tend to (laughs) drift up increase yep and so it 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 makes it even more imperative that when out there in that in that environment that as drivers we expect that you know hey around every corner there there might be a deer there might be a kid (laughs) there might be a cyclist uh and and so don't let the the speeds get you know too high in urban environments it's a little bit different beast it's it's a it's a type of environment and you work in this environment in the in the city is that motor vehicle speeds tend to to again drift up mm-hmm. and if our built environment is built in such a way that it encourages you know that fast driving it makes it that much more challenging to be able to then mix in Kids on bikes and, you know, adults on bikes, uh, college students on bikes. You're in a college town. I'm in a college town. Yep. Not to mention, you know, throw in half a dozen runners and and everything else. Talk a little bit about that environment, because that's a different dynamic than out on the country roads.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you think, I always think of the country roads, the drivers are more relaxed. And so when you get relaxed, you have, you know, you cut the corners. You'd go more. And when people are in urban environments, they're more heightened, but they're more hyper, um, hyper exhilarated, I I guess you could say, because you have the stoplights, you have um, people on this side of the street, you have other cars, you have, you know, oh, there's a Chick-fil-A over there. You know, you have all these things where it's taking away your attention. So it's kind of like the two opposite ends of the spectrum where it'd be nice to have just a driver. But in those environments, when you're hyper-focused, is understanding the aspects in which there can be um, a rapid change in circumstances. So intersections, rapid change in circumstances. Anytime you go around corners, rapid change in circumstances. Those are the kind of things where people need to be a little more heightened on their awareness, especially in these urban environments you know, in addition, being in a college town, and I'm sure you know this, is that there's a lot of kids that are on, you know, having their headphones in. There's a lot of kids that are looking in their books. There's a lot of kids looking on their phones. Like like I said before with the cycling, is it's a dual thing that has to happen. And people have to be cognizant that cars aren't always looking for you. But also at the same time, what do I look for when I'm in a car to make sure that these pedestrians and these cyclists are safe. And I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough one because it's like, there's so many different uh, environments and accidents that I've been on where you go, what was that person thinking walking out into that street without looking? Or, you know, why was that, that car not just understanding that there's a bike path right next to them? It's a hard thing, but they have to understand is like, you can't be on either end of the spectrum. You have to be in the middle and be just consistent with what you're driving and consistent with the
1: safety that you're going out there as a biker and a runner. Yeah. So what have been some of the projects that you've been working on recently? Oh, this is, so we've got a great new
0: project. And, and you know, besides the Fireman Rob stuff, uh, a good friend of mine, Todd Jennings, and he he had done Ironman in 2012 for um, John Blaze. Uh, he did it for John Blaze, uh, the Blazeman Foundation. And Todd and I have been good friends for for many years. <clears throat> and we saw that there was a gap. There was a gap in the endurance sports where it wasn't a community. There was, there's tons of information out there and there's tons of things out there. But there wasn't that really omni-channel, that community feel of all endurance sports. Because we all have that same kind of like-minded we want to do more. We want to have more. We want to tell our stories. And so what we came up with was something that is going to be amazing. Well, it is amazing. Let's put it that way. Uh, It's called Endurance Zone. And what we have is it's three different buckets. One, we have a TV uh, network, EnduranceZoneTV.com. On there is rebroadcast content, is movies, there's documentaries, all sorts of things. We have 31 different categories of sports that are endurance, as well as nutrition, mindset, all this stuff. Other cool part of that TV section is called, it's an academy. So we have some of the greatest minds and the greatest coaches and the greatest athletes that are giving you tips and tricks in these all these different sports from triathlon to rugby to uh, running, to cycling, to water polo. These are all endurance sports that we're looking at. The other cool part of being a member, and it's $9.99 a month. You get over three hundred, and it continues to go up. Discounts everywhere from Starbucks to Under Armour to Nike to Osprey, and then you go can you can go to the specific ones of Hyperice and Normatech. For nine ninety nine, you get all of this per month. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's fun to even talk about because it's one of those opportunities where we're providing something. People are already buying this stuff; they're going to save money. Number two, they're going to learn stuff through the academy. And number three, you can be entertained while you're sitting on the bike or running on your treadmill. Or if you're sitting in the office going, oh my God, I need something to get through Monday. We have it for you. And so it's just, a, it's a, like I said before, when you have a
1: passion project,
0: it just makes it even better.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you mentioned something in there. You mentioned the Blazeman Foundation. Why don't you explain that?
0: Oh, so John Blaze uh, had ALS and the cool part, John, uh, it's, it's so hard to talk about him because I met his family and his, his parents. And um, John Blaze was an amazing individual. He finished Kona, I can't remember, I, th- I want to say it was 2007. I think I, I just watched it not too long ago. <laughs> um, but he finished it. He had ALS. He's the only person to finish it with ALS. And John made a statement before the race. He said, if I don't get to the finish line, you're going to have to roll my dead body over the finish line. And what John did at the finish line was he rolled across the finish line. And so now you see like what we talked about before, the actions that create this impact. So now in Ironman's challenge races all over the world, you're seeing people rolling across the finish line for ALS and for John Blaze. The hard part was that the next year John um, went to Kona again, but he was in a wheelchair and he knew that. And he even said... You know, the year after that, I won't be around to even see Kona. And he did pass away, but that continues to be something. His actions that day has created an impact on many, many lives. And it's the power of endurance sports. It's the power of the people that believe in more.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had the privilege of being one of the finish line captains during those years, and so I got to be there with John when he rolled across, and and also <sighs> was there present when he returned with his parents the next year, and and you know bound to the wheelchair at that point in in the stage of the uh, the ALS uh, disease. So, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, you, you know throughout my entire tenure in the sport, uh, from that point on, it was you know you'd see the people rolling across the finish line and you, get, and you knew exactly what who that was a tribute to uh tell us a little bit about the Fireman Rob Foundation
0: yeah definitely so i started the Fireman Rob Foundation way back in 2013 and my whole my whole idea is um i wanted to have 100% of the funds that come in go out to what the purpose was uh, that was one of my things that i always wanted to have and the premise of the Fireman Rob Foundation, we have this, uh, the big, our big campaign is, it's the SMILE campaign, and it's Simple Moments Impact Lives Every Day. And what we do is it's a bear campaign. And so we've had, gosh, 8,500 bears in 48 states and five countries. Um, we've delivered bears to children in um, hospitals. And it's a cool little way of just providing that little smile, that little impact. And there's been so many stories. It's it's great because we have fire departments that will, every Christmas, like, hey, can we get three three uh, boxes of bears to be able to take the, to the um, children's hospital? And it's cool because we have other people being ambassadors of this great goodwill. And the little bear, and this is why I always want people to understand is, Is that quote of that smile, that simple moments impact lives every day, is that this little bear, I got a message from a lady in Denver, Colorado, and her son had received one of the bears. And she sent me a picture of him. He had been, you know, poked and prodded all day. And she said, the only thing that truly got him through that day was he was hugging the bear the whole day as he got an MRI done, as he got an IV draw, as he got more blood draws, as he got poked and prodded more, as the doctors came in, he never let go of the bear. And the power of th- that little thing, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I love that. I love that. And it's, it's a legacy that, that I'm proud to say, you know, our family started and, you know, we've been able to do this and continue to do it. I fund it mainly from my speaking you know, so it's, it's one of those things. I don't, I don't go out there and advertise it. I don't do that kind of stuff. If somebody donates uh, each bear to deliver and buy, is $10. And it's like there's no hidden fees anywhere. It's, you know, you like give $100, I get 10 bears. <laughs> there's no. And uh, one of the cool parts is uh, the Shriners Hospital in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, they've done a bear clinic every year. And the bears, more and more bears have gone out there. And what they do is with kids who are going through these challenging times, they get a bear that day. And what they do is they send them through all the things, like a blood draw. They send the bear through the MRI machine. And these kids take these bears home, but they know that the bear has been through all the things that they can go through. So it's just, it's just it's just cool. It blows my mind.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I confirmed that out on your website, you do have the the donate button out there. So, uh, folks, uh, yes, be sure to to head over to the show notes for this episode, as well as on the landing page that I'll, I'll build for this episode. So we'll we'll have a direct link uh, for Rob's website, as well as the donate button for uh, that particular campaign. Oh, I
0: greatly appreciate it.
1: So when you take a look at, you know, the activities that you're working with and helping people find their passion and uh, try to go through that journey uh of of discovering their their purpose and their passion talk a little bit about the role and the impact that leading a healthy physically active lifestyle plays
0: it's so important and and you know i've seen it in my life too is is you know, struggling with PTSD, it's it's hard some days to get up. It's hard some days to go to sleep. And to be able to be active, I, I know it's beneficial to me. And when I do it, I feel great. When I don't do it, I feel crappy. <laughs> and I don't. I'm not able to be productive. It's so important to be able to be of sound mind, have that mindset to be able to push forward, to be able to have the focus to actually find what you're passionate about And the only way to do that is really being, it's funny because it's being healthy, but I love active. It's, It's that action part in life that makes us be able to have value. It's that action part in life that makes us to be able to have potential and to be able to have the success that we want to have. And so being healthy and having that active lifestyle is critical, critical, critical to the importance of finding who you are.
1: Yeah, it's almost as if there's a double entendre there and and a metaphor of, you know, of, you know, of being active and taking action on your life. And so definitely, uh, yes you know, breaking through whatever's holding you back and get out the door. And, you know, ex, you know, if, if you can experience, uh, you know, getting some fresh air, getting outside, getting uh, access to nature, things of that nature, many of us, uh, you know, may be in a situation where we don't have a safe place where we can, uh, you know, recreate and or, you know, go for a walk or a bike ride. Uh, and you may have to, get some physical activity indoors. We got you. We understand that. We're we're still with you on that. Yeah, but, you know, get up off the couch, get out of the chair, get moving. Uh, You're absolutely right. You will feel better. You'll have a better mindset, which then helps reinforce, you know, all of the things that you're talking about within those seven catalysts. So good stuff. Right,
0: and and it kind of comes back to what you said before, John, and I love that you brought it up, is... You will not be perfect at being active or living an active lifestyle. It's okay to not have that, to say, you know what? I, I just don't have it today. Maybe just go on a little walk. Change it up a little bit. Don't be so hard on yourself that, oh, I just did a one-mile walk. It's like, well, you did a one-mile walk, didn't you? You know what? You did you did two-block walk. Whatever it is, just go out there and be active. There is no failure when you're living that— one of the greatest quotes I love is like there's no dress rehearsal for your life.
1: That's right. Good point. <laughs> Get out there. <laughs> Do so, it. Yeah. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly, yeah, there's no exactly. Room. There's no green room. Exactly. There's no green room. Is there anything what we haven't covered yet today that you want to make sure we talk about?
0: You know, I I I just love I love the concept that you're doing. I love what you're what you're looking at and I think It's so important for people to understand that to have an active town, to have an active lifestyle, that you have to be engaged in your community. And that's important, is that we as a community can change things for the better for all of us if we work together. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I see with you, John, is that your action is through uh, providing a community from... You know, when you when you did the run on in uh, Hawaii to uh, traveling around the uh, country to do active towns, it's understanding that we as a community are stronger together to create these active towns, to create our active lifestyles and live those healthy and productive lives.
1: So with that in mind, uh, what last little bit of advice would you have for the listeners who may be inspired by all of these discussions? What piece of advice would you give them um, so that they can make that difference in their community? So this is what I always uh, I love to
0: end with is, is the the fact that life doesn't get easier. You just get stronger when you follow your passion and your purpose. And I think that that speaks volumes when you talk about in your community, if your passion is cycling Make sure that all those things are, all those boxes are checked off. So not just you, but a lot of people can enjoy that. But your strength is in your passion, so you should really go out there and just live it.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's that's great because, yeah, because if 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 your passion is is in a particular area, and you know, it, like say you're a passionate runner, right? You know that that's that's what you really want to do. But you, you're noticing that it's increasingly more difficult to to you know participate in that you know start engaging with your connections your 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 tribe in that area as well as outside of your tribe you know your your community uh, and saying you know hey uh, maybe your maybe your passion is is your family and you know you're 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 concerned that your that your kids are not able to you know be able to get on their bike and ride over to a friend's place Get engaged. Get like you said earlier. You have the ability. We have the power to to get engaged and you know change our communities. So I love that. It, it brings it right back around to action. Action.
0: It brings it right back around to action because that that is that is what life is about. Whether it's one step or one pedal stroke or you know a, a huge stride like a Jan Ferdino. It's it doesn't matter. It's all forward movement, and that's what we need.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Hey, where's the best place for people to follow your work? So they can go to
0: um, firemanrob.com and you can find everything from the podcast to blogs to uh, all my social media to if you're looking for somebody to motivate you on a Monday or uh, pick you up on a Friday. Um, (laughs) You can go there to firemanrob.com. It's the easiest way to find me.
1: Fantastic. Rob, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. Oh, it's such an honor. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Active Towns podcast. I hope you're inspired by learning a bit about Rob and found his perspective as a working first responder insightful please be sure to check out his website. And if you can, please join me in contributing to his foundation so more kids will receive bears to help them navigate through their hospital stays. Also, don't forget to check out the photos and reference links included in this episode's landing page on our website and in the show notes. And three quick reminders before we part ways. First, please don't hesitate to drop me a line. If you have any thoughts on future guests or topics, my email is John, that's G-O-H-N at active towns. That's plural dot O-R-G. It's always wonderful to hear from y'all. Second, if you haven't yet done, so please subscribe to my monthly culture of activity newsletter. And third, I know you're in a giving mood having just made a donation to the Fireman Rob Foundation. So if you can spare a little more change, please help me out by making a tax-deductible contribution to Active Towns. As a very small nonprofit, your donations really do make a big difference in my ability to deliver this content. To make that happen, just head over to activetowns.org and click on that blue donate button in the top right corner of the page. Thank you so much. Okay, that's all for this special bonus episode. If everything comes together, I'll have another out for you in just a couple days. So until then, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers.